Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Music has always been a part of the life of today's guest, but a freak incident that took place in April of 2016 turned his life upside down and put his music career on hold. We're joined today by Mike Johnson. He's going to share what happened back in 2016 and how that situation inspired him and his latest album. We're going to hear that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Mike Johnson. He is a multi-talented pianist and composer. He's best known for his background in a jazz, classical, and popular music. We're going to start off with an incident that happened that basically changed your life and took you down a very interesting path. Tell us about your life leading up to uh, April of 2016. Well, I was, you know, a busy musician. I'm self-employed, so that means whatever work comes, you say yes and (laughs) take it each day as it comes. Um, I was busy with my jazz trio. We just played a gig at a little jazz club down the street. Um, I was planning all these really big things, um, launching some new jazz tunes on the radio and had a bunch of orchestra shows coming up that I was excited about uh, and everything sort of hit the brakes, you know, leading up to the concussion. I, I had a, a little lunch meeting with a friend, Keith Martin, uh, and he talked to me about the Psalms way back then, uh, just about a month before this happened. And he asked me, you know, would you ever be interested in working in something like this, writing songs for the Psalms? And I said, boy, like, that sounds like a great idea, but I have no idea where I'm going to find the time. And then what happened from there? Well, then um, it was April uh, 2016. I was getting up in the middle of the night uh, for a drink of water. I had a little bit of some stomach problems. And I got up, went to the washroom, took a drink of water, took two steps, and went crashing headfirst into the tile floor. And passed out and you know 10 seconds later my wife was at my side and waking me up and said are you okay and I I looked around and I thought you know wow that's never happened before I I think I'm all right and so I sort of stumbled back to bed and uh, the next morning woke up and was pretty sore but I thought I'd be okay and I looked around and everything looked a little blurry looked at the computer screen I couldn't really look at it and I phoned my friend up and she said I think you've got a concussion Wow. And it sounds like a pretty serious one. What was going through your mind at that time? Or were you able to make sense of it yet that early on? I couldn't quite make sense of it. Um, I figured like most people I talked to, they said concussions would last anywhere from like a few days to a few weeks. And the worst one I'd ever heard of was like five weeks. My friend had that and that was just crazy. So I thought there's no way I can handle five weeks. It's just far too much. Uh, I had all these gigs coming up. Um, so I thought, well, I better start canceling. Um, you know, as the weeks went on, I started feeling worse and worse. And sort of by the end of the month, I checked myself into emergency and, you know, did some scans and I just felt terrible. I was nauseous. I was dizzy. I couldn't see well. And, uh, yeah, I was just feeling terrible. And so, you know, friends started, um, doing gigs for me and (laughs) mailing me the money. Which wow. was pretty amazing. Uh, and Steve Bell and some other friends got together, some people to start putting some funds together. Because, again, there's no insurance when you're a self-employed musician. So so it, it went sort of from, you know, I thought days to feeling terrible after weeks. And then sort of 
you know, longer and longer and longer. As the time went on, Mike, um, were you starting to worry you might not ever be able to play music again, or were you not even focused on that at that point and just trying to get healthy? You know, the whole, my whole world stopped. Like it was so strange. Um, cause usually I'm, you know, sort of upbeat and go at it. And I just, I literally was in the basement every day, just trying to yeah, get through the day. Um, I couldn't listen to podcasts or radio or music. Um, and so it, you know, it was really a tough time for me and I couldn't really think about a whole lot else. Um, you know, I, I remember a, f- a few months into the process because it, it goes up and down these injuries, especially concussions. And I was starting to feel better and, you know, sort of in September. And I thought I said to someone, I'm over this. This is done. Hmm. And then, you know, a few weeks later, I'm back in the basement or on my bed or with my eyes closed and realizing I'm in for a long haul here. Um, I tried to play some performances. One was out in Regina with the orchestra and my brain melted halfway through the show. <laughs> and uh, I had to stay there for an extra night or two. And um, yeah, the, you know, things sort of just stopped. And um, yeah, there definitely was some anxiety and fear over even just trying to get through the day. I had two young kids, a new baby, and I just, I was just trying to make it through each day without, you know, feeling absolutely terrible. I was just going to say, you obviously had to experience some intense emotions. You've lost your ability to play your music. You've lost basically yourself um, from what you thought originally was just, you know, a little fall, a little hit on the head. Yeah, I I mean, exactly. And it was confusing why it was taking so long to heal because, you know, again, every other story I'd heard of, uh, I just hadn't heard a lot of long-term injuries like this. so after about five or six weeks, uh, I saw a concussion specialist and they said, hey, you know what? You're doing the wrong thing here. Like you need to start playing some music, even if it's a couple minutes at a time. Uh, you need to start doing some eye exercises. You need to start walking again. You know, you need to start moving because your brain will heal if you start moving. Um, so that's what I started doing. And I remember the first time um, listening to, you know, the first music after not listening to music for five weeks. And uh, it was quite an emotional experience because I was like, wow, I really need music in my life. And even if I can only handle, you know, a minute and a half to two minutes at the beginning, um, I needed to do that. So I started every day playing some music, practicing on my keyboard at very low volumes and just slowly working up the ability to play music again. What was that like that first time that you did start to play music again? Was it frustrating? Was there relief? What did you experience? (laughs) You know, I just wanted to get through it. Like I literally would last two, three minutes and get really dizzy and disoriented. So when you have a brain injury, your brain, it's like you're driving down this huge freeway, like four lanes and someone drops a massive redwood, California redwood in the middle of the highway and now your brain has got to try to find new paths to get around that. And, and when you try to do the things you think you can do, you hit these roadblocks and start feeling terrible. So it, it really was just like discipline. Like I had a journal every day. I'd write in it how many minutes I did. And luckily, I could see over the course of the next months that I was getting better. Um, but boy, it was taking a long time. What is recovery like for you now? You know, I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm actually five years into this now. And up till about the three-year point, I was still pretty bad, um, saying no to most things. Um, 
I, I tried one other show in Niagara Falls, an orchestra thing. I, I thought maybe I can make it through three songs. And I actually stumbled through three songs and felt better after the show than before. Hmm. And I started realizing um, that actually the thing I was most scared of, which was, you know, not being able to play music again, was actually the thing that was going to heal me by just playing. So um, I remember doing a Lent album a few years ago now. And I, I decided this, the, the dumb idea of renting a massive seven foot grand piano in my studio, all I'd been practicing on was electric keyboards <laughs> at very low <laughs> volumes. And I brought this keyboard and this piano in because I thought, you know, let's record an album while I'm still feeling bad. Maybe that'll make the music simpler, not so jazzy. And, you know, maybe that'll be a good thing. Um, and I brought the piano in. I sat down. I played a few notes and I got so dizzy. And I was like, I've made a horrible, horrible mistake here. And after two weeks, I was doing almost three hours a day of recording. Wow. So um, recovery now is pretty good. I just got off a road trip to Manitoba. And last year at this time when I was feeling pretty good already, um, last year I drove two out of the 24 hours. And this year I drove all but two of the hours. So I drove like, you know, 22 out of 24. So um it's a still, I'm still improving. They say you don't get better after three years medically, but I'm getting a lot better the last few years. So I'm grateful for that. And I can work full time and say yes to almost everything. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the Psalms project early on, and you were mentioning that this was something that was, you know, in the works before you experienced uh, your concussion, but things definitely changed. Um, and that affected this uh, project. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, again, things were busy before this injury. And so I, I didn't really know how I'd make time for this. I love the idea. My friend, you know, mentioned how desperate we need the Psalms, that it's this ancient prayer book, you know, the same prayer book that Jesus probably carried around and memorized. And it's so important for us. Um, and I thought, well, that's great. But, you know, until this injury, there just wasn't the space for it. But once I got injured, there was a pretty big change. I I used to always read the Psalms and look through it and, and a lot of things would remind me of who God is and a lot of things would remind me of who other people are and what they're struggling with. But once I had this injury, I now became that desperate person and in some ways I saw myself on every page of the Psalms, um, every, every word, every sentence. So when this began, all I could handle was literally about a verse or two um, at a time before my eyes hurt too much. So I'd sort of squint there. I'd be sitting on my couch um, and where I passed a lot of hours and uh, I'd be squinting at this phone and I'd sort of try to find two verses in, you know, in a chapter that resonated where that somehow encouraged me or lifted me or got me through the day. And I just sit there on the couch and close my eyes and just think about them. Um, and so this became sort of what I did every day for the next few years. And um, one of the first ones was Psalm 42, which says, by day, the Lord directs his love at night, his song is with me. And so I just began to sort of breathe those verses in over and over. And as I started feeling better, these little melodies all the way through my recovery sort of came to me. Uh, sometimes at the beginning, they were just simple, tiny little melodies. Um, I recorded them on my phone. And then, you know, as I felt better, I'd get, you know, more and more. Sometimes a whole song would get downloaded. Uh, when I was sitting there, uh, that happened with one of the songs. And so this was sort of the process um, that, that 
formed this double album called the Psalms Project. Kind of um, maybe fitting in ways how the timing all worked out because the Psalms, you often will think like the Psalms are full of David's praises and they are, but like 70% of them start as lament, right? And David or other authors in the Psalms struggling with things, they begin with this lament and then it builds to praise. Did you find yourself going through that same process kind of? Oh, yeah. I mean, thank goodness for the laments. Um, uh, you know, I have a friend who's in, uh, does a lot of trips to Africa, and he said in the Congo, where they've gone through these, you know, really difficult times, something like a Psalm 10, which is really talking about, you know, villages being raided and children carried off and all this kind of stuff that I don't have any experience with. Um, but they say that these these are so important to them because it, it shows that their story is, in, you know, their story is heard and that God knows their story. So I think for me too, you know, I think of Psalm 116, I love the Lord for he heard my cry. He heard my cry for mercy. Um, this idea that God hears us, um, that we don't have to do stuff for him, for him to love us, but that, you know, when you go through these injuries or depression or really difficult circumstances in life where you're just really limited and you can't do anything, that God is close and he's near the brokenhearted. So um, yeah, I think the laments are so important. And maybe maybe in our churches, we need to return to this. I, yeah. I sort of wonder if lament isn't the key that unlocks worship, because we see in our world every day on the pages and the web pages, we see this really broken place, right? And sometimes we go to church and we see victory, 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 which is true. Um, but I think in the Psalms, it's just a beautiful expression of both deep longing and ache and also praise right so yeah. I think that's a good invitation i was i was just gonna ask should worship songs in general be sadder because yeah we have 70 percent of the psalms are lament but uh this stat's a couple years old but i always found it interesting 70 percent of the psalms are laments but zero percent of the top 150 ccli songs are laments and ccli <laughs> that's tracking the worship songs that we sing in churches right so we have all this lament but we never sing about it uh in church <laughs> wow i didn't know that stat i mean that makes sense it's it's not always easy hey to to be lamenting yes um, but boy it's you know when we bottle things up right they just they get inside of us they stay there. And if we don't let them out, they get worse and worse. And they have to come out at some point. And I think that's what lament does, right? It, we can lament to God and pour out our hearts and our deepest doubts and our deepest fears and anger because we know God's big enough to take it. Um, so I actually think in lament, there's this deep trust that's developed. And if we don't lament ever, and if we don't cry out to God ever, and if we don't actually you know, lay bare all of our stuff inside... I'm not sure we ever get to that place. Yeah, I really feel that. Um, With um, this project, we've been playing Abounding in Love on our radio stations across Western Canada. People really loving it. Uh, What's the reaction been like that you've been hearing from people? Yeah, you know, I'm hearing a lot from people who are in in pretty difficult places. Uh, They're the ones who usually reach out. And, you know, I can think of one person who has brain cancer, another one who had a major brain injury, another one, you know, when in their last few weeks of life reached out. Um, and people seem to be resonating with the gentleness and um, the space in the music. Um, I, you know, obviously the Psalms, I didn't write those Psalms. Um, so I can't take credit for those. 
but there's obviously something built in to the Psalms that in every circumstance we're in, you know, we can see ourselves. And so um, I think especially people who are broken and really needing a lift, a reminder of God's love for them. Um, I think they're resonating with it and abounding in love. It hit at such an interesting time because the pandemic, you know, I was going through this major brain injury where often I felt alone, even though people were great around me, but I felt so isolated. I felt so much like, you know, I'm just stuck here at home. I can't do anything. And suddenly, you know, when the Psalms project was released, suddenly the whole world actually understood that. Um, you know, the whole world was feeling this isolation. Uh, a lot of people were struggling with knowing, you know, what work was going to look like or what family or school. And so I do think there's something about abounding in love when it first hit. You know, the first line is, you hear the cries of my heart, the longing of my soul. And there's something about that that, you know, really seemed to resonate with people when we released the video. And uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. Overall, with this project, with your experience, with what you've been through, how has this impacted your faith? Well, I think it's developed a deeper trust. Uh, Like, I'm a go-getter, and often I've, you know, gone after things. And I think I'm realizing more and more in life, especially through this injury, that I'm not as in control as I thought I was. And that, you know, God can be trusted through the hardest storm and the most difficult uh, experiences of life so i'm hoping that, i'm hoping that that trust has deepened you know considerably but at the same time it's surprising how quick i am to turn to my own devices so as i've been feeling better i'm quite disappointed in myself at times that you know um some of the lessons i thought like i learned so so well it's so easy still to just rely <laughs> on myself so that's the uh the, the uncomfortable truth of it all but um yeah, there's definitely been a sense that God's been close. And I've experienced that sort of mystery that somehow Jesus draws close to the brokenhearted. Um, yeah. That's really been so clear to me. And it's really hard to describe, but it's just one of those things that's true. I, I think a lot of people could relate to that too, right? Like you look in your prayer journal from a few years ago, difficult times, how close you draw to God. And then life's good and no trouble in your prayer journal's empty, right? So. <laughs> There you go. Uh, what's uh, next for you, Mike, and in, in the works? Are you going back to jazz or are you still focusing on this project for the next uh, season? I'm still trying to get this out there. Um, I, I am working on volume three. So there's a whole third volume nice. of Psalms that is written. It's going to be like more muscular. It's called Songs from the Canyon. There'll be some heavy duty laments, but there'll also be some really like uh, exciting creation kind of songs on there and it'll be much more produced. So I'm working on that. Uh, but I am trying to get this, you know, these two volumes out to people who need it. So if, you know, if anyone out there knows the people going through a hard time or, or who need that gentle voice, uh, please pass the album on. It's on Spotify and Apple music for free and uh, lots of other uh, platforms as well. But that's probably the thing I'm focusing on the most right now. You've had the opportunity to work with some great people as well on this project. Yeah, I sort of assembled my dream team. And the cool thing about the pandemic was um, everybody was available. So usually, (laughs) you know, usually phone people up and they're like, ah, they don't even get back to you, right? So this time, like anyone you could think of, you're like, hmm, I wonder if they'd be free. And yep, they're free. So so I got some great people. Steve Bell's on it. Uh, He sings a duet with me and he's on a few other things. Um, Aaron Prop, 
and Lila Bialy, both like Juno nominated people. I guess Lila's one of you. Uh, they're singing back background on there. There's uh, from I Am They, Abby, uh, Abby Parker is on it. Um, and who else did I get in there? Oh, there's a whole bunch of other Joey Landreth and uh, wow, um, Tim Abraham and John Bailey produced it and helped mix it. And they're amazing uh, Juno guys too. So anyway, yeah, I had, I had uh, my dream team put together, luckily. That really sounds like it. <laughs> you mentioned Spotify and Apple Music, but how else can we stay up to date with what you're doing and uh, finding those projects too? Yeah, you, uh, you can check out my website. Uh, it's mikejansen.ca. Uh, most stuff is up on there. There's chord charts. I think it's on praise charts as well now if people are interested in singing the songs. Uh, there's about six songs there that you can pick any key and any chord and praise charts has done a wonderful job of putting that up too. Um, so yeah, you can check out the website. You can check out my YouTube channel. Uh, I've got a bunch of um, piano lesson stuff on there. So anything on the album that you like it and you sort of want to learn how to play it. Um, I have something called piano minute too, that you can check out. That sounds Very like fun. Cool. something we're checking out. One last question. You mentioned Manitoba earlier. You're a Manitoba born boy. What was it like to be back in Manitoba? Oh, it's lovely. You know, the people are so great there. Um, I mean, I love it here in Toronto too. There's, there's uh, lots to love and, and people are people, but there's something about Manitoba and the big skies and uh, the warm hearts and people that are there that really is refreshing. And uh, we go back every, every summer for about a month. Um, we have a few cottages there to visit too, which is, is glorious. So yeah, it was a fantastic trip. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.